Hey everybody, Jeff Mazzone here. Today, Robert and I interview Dr. Tim Locke, who was my internship supervisor, but for some reason, my audio is really bad. Not that that matters, because Dr. Locke's is spot on, uh, but just a quick apology if that's any distraction for you. And with that, enjoy the show, and God bless. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of Renar Voice. My name is Robert Swatala. I'm one of the co-hosts for Renar Voice when with me, as always, my co-host, Jeff Mazzone. Jeff, how are you, sir? Good morning, Robert. What's going on, bro? Not much. Um, you know, I was going to say happy spring to you, but and it may feel like <laughs> spring for you in, in your warmer climate. But, you know, we had balmy records yesterday of like, like 17, 20. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think it's a balmy 18 out there. So, so it's not feeling spring-like for me, but maybe you're feeling a little bit more than I am. No, no. I just went out to take the garbage and it was like 30 something. So, okay. All right. Yeah. So you're, so you're living in the misery too. Then. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Misery loves company, right? There you go. You know yeah. Yep, yep. Hey, um, you know, we are in spring and, and, you know, obviously there is a lot to this season, uh, this of new and, and, and life and, and green, but also a spiritual side of it with Easter and, and the resurrection, what that means. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that, and we're going to talk about today, but, and it fits in so well is this topic of forgiveness mm-hmm. um, and, and really what, you know, what Jesus did on the cross so that we can be forgiven. So, you know, as we, as we go into this season, um, you know, that's on my mind and my heart. And, and I hope what we talk about today will bring that forward to individuals. So I hope that you are having a good spring and a good Easter season um, and looking forward to, uh, to Easter Sunday. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm trying to live the Lenten experience well. You know, there's no no Easter without the cross, without death, without the suffering. So, yeah, the hope sure. of of Easter, yeah, the new and, life. And for those that were just joining us for maybe for the first time, um, we did a special feature with you, and I think that comes across very clear on how much that has impacted you in your life, and really brought you to where you are today. So, sure. uh, I think it ties in really well. So. Without further ado, Jeff, um, I know that this is a special guest for you, and Mm. could you do the honor to introduce our guest for today? Yep. So today we have Dr. Tim Locke, who's a clinical psychologist practicing in New York and in Connecticut, and he was my internship supervisor for two glorious semesters, uh, and he agreed to come on here uh, today, especially after uh, he and a colleague, Father Thomas Berg, recently published a book called Choosing Forgiveness, Unleashing the Power of God's grace. So I've been reading through the book. I'm almost done with it. And I thought, you know what, this would be a great topic uh, for the podcast, especially because forgiveness is something that we talk about here and there through our coursework, particularly with um, stuff from like Ev Worthington. And, but I think once you get into the field, you're sitting across from another person, you can see just how difficult forgiveness is. Um, Not only forgiveness for those that have hurt us and, and what it means to forgive versus maybe some pseudo-Christian ideas or some distorted ideas about what forgiveness is, but also, and this comes out very subtly but strongly in the book, um, this need to practice forgiveness for ourselves, uh, particularly where the guilt and shame can wreak particular havoc. So I'm really pumped about today's episode, not only because I certainly miss my internship supervisor, but also because the topic's a good one. So let me just introduce him. Uh, Officially, Dr. Tim Locke is a Catholic father, husband, Franciscan tertiary, clinical psychologist, and professional speaker. He is the founder and director of the Gretti Center for Healing and Forgiveness, where he has been providing psychotherapy for over 20 years. 
Since 2019, Dr. Locke has been the full-time Director of Psychological Services at St. Joseph's Seminary Dunwoody of the Archdiocese of New York. In addition to providing counseling, he has been involved with research, teaching, and seminary formation. Dr. Locke lives with his wife of 28 years and their eight children in Northwestern Connecticut. So good morning, Dr. Locke. Thanks so much for being here today. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Robert. It's great to be with you guys today. Great. So let's just get into it, if that's all right, Robert, with the questions. So, Doc, there's a lot here. <laughs> this is yeah, a lot here. I've, I've been working through my own forgiveness of you since you. Oh, wait. Oh, we live? Yeah. oh gosh. Burn. Yeah, it was such an honor right out to of the have gate. you. It was Welcome such an honor to have you with me up here. I, 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 Thank you. Um, a rocky beginning, but we're. That's right. Uh, hey, so like I said before, can we just start talking about what are we talking about here? Give, give us a definition from your perspective here, personally, clinically, professionally. What is forgiveness um, and how you all talk about it in the book? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it, this is, uh, it, it is so misunderstood, isn't it? Like, because when you talk to people, um, they'll say things like, especially Christians, right? Like, oh yeah, I, I forgive him, I forgive him. Because that's the right thing to do, right? We, we all kind of know that's the right thing to do. So we kind of want to rush to that in a way that's been labeled premature forgiveness because um, it's kind of a, a reflexive sort of action that's really hollow. It doesn't really have anything behind it um, versus uh, the a, a kind of real authentic choice to forgive. And that, that's one of the big things that um, uh, that is important to note about forgiveness, and it's noted in the title of the book, Choosing Forgiveness, is that it's a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. And what is this that, that we're doing when we forgive? And, and I love what, what Father Berg wrote here um, in the book. And let me just read it to you because I think it really sums up a lot. It says, in forgiving, I am freely, supremely, and mightily renouncing the demand that the offender validate me by acknowledging the harm done to me. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot in there. And, and um, uh, let, let me just talk about that for a moment. So, I, in forgiving, I am renounced. Like, we want, when, when someone hurts us, we want an apology. That's just natural. We want the validation that you know, hey, my, my feelings were hurt. My, you know, you, you, or you did this to me. And that was, that was an offense or that, or that wounded me. And we want the other person to say, yeah, I did. And, and I'm really sorry about that. And I, I, uh, you know, I wish I, I hadn't done that, but, you know, so often um, be it from um, the person's unaware. I mean, that, that really happens a lot. People are unaware or they're unaware of how their actions harm others um, or they're, or, or they don't really care. I mean, there's so many reasons people, um, don't want to apologize that that's a kind of a whole nother situation. But when we're in this situation where we noted, where we know that we've been hurt by someone, we, we want this validation from them. And so in forgiving, we, we actually, we actually renounce that we actually let go of that need for the other to validate me and to acknowledge what they've done. 
And the only way we can do, well, the, the only way we do that in the Lord is by knowing our worth in, in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. And, and when we can go to our Lord, and by the way, this is much easier said than done, but when we can go to the Lord and we can get the validation from the Lord, that, that allows us to be really clear and to be able to then let go of this need um, to, to get it from the other. You know, it's always easier to have an apology. It's always easier to have the, the person who hurt us take responsibility. Um, but when that does not happen, there, there, there is a way out here that, that our Lord's given us through forgiveness. Dr. Locke, yeah, again, thank you for being here, and thanks for the the, the knock on Jeff right out of the gate. I, I truly appreciate you fitting quite well with our, with our format here, so thanks. Um, so just to go back to that, I, I, something that you hit there, and that's a lot of great information right out of the gate, and there's a lot of contact there. Um, you said letting go of the need for someone to validating and getting from the Lord. When you're, when you're working with someone regarding forgiveness how much of that is that kind of inner work or that self-work where they become secure enough that they don't need that validation but also understanding that that wound is still there and how that healing process happens can you just share a little bit about kind of that dynamic how it's not just an maybe an external factor but also that that validation that internal piece that i think we often wrestle with it might make forgiveness challenging Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I think, uh, thanks for, for pointing to that. Yeah, we, because when we forgive, we are saying that there was an offense. Because a lot of times in kind of day to day, when we see people, you know, if someone says to us, oh, you know, sorry about that, we'll say, no worries. Or, you know, like, more or less, that's not an issue. Um, but when we're talking about interpersonal uh, experiences. We're talking about relationship. It, it is. It is an issue, and and we can kind of get in a habit of saying no worries, no worries, um, and we can say that to things that really are that 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 do have an impact on us. And so when we're when we're forgiving someone, we are acknowledging that there is a wound. So that's that's kind of the first um, step that we we talk about. Which is, uh, which is acknowledging um, how we have been wounded. And here we're really honestly looking and saying, this hurt me. And that's painful to look at. You know, you, you started, Robert, you started asking about clinically. Yeah, this is, so talking about forgiveness generally, for me, is easier than talking about it clinically. Um, clinically, I can, I, can I be honest? I hate forgiveness. I, I hate forgiveness because <laughs> why? Because I'm, I'm, I work with a lot of folks who've been through trauma. And this is another thing in our Christian world that we do is we say, well, you just got to forgive the person and everything will be fine. And, you know, it's kind of, it's, one client said it like this. He said, it's kind of like if you drove a truck, Dr. Locke, if you, I got a little nervous when he started like this, but this is what he said. If you, Dr. Locke, drove a truck 
through my house. You drove it right through my house. And then someone from church comes over and says, oh, you just got to forgive him and everything will be fine. And he's like, but there's this gaping hole. You see, he drove a truck. And did you see he drove it through my house? And my house still has this hole like a truck that goes straight through it. Like, what's up with that? So when we're dealing with, with people who've been through real traumas, um, it, forgiveness is a very difficult because we have to be very sensitive to the, the experience of the individual. And essentially, Christians can kind of rush really quickly to this, again, to this kind of premature sense of, of forgiving. And then, then, they, then you mix in the, the ultimate invalidation, forgive and forget, like as if, if you don't forget, you're a bad Christian. And then we're kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, destroyed there. It's like a catch 22. It's like, there's, there's no way to get out of just being a bad Christian because we haven't forgiven, forgotten. And there's a big gaping truck hole in our house. And, and, and what do we do with that? So clinically, I'm, I'm very gentle with this. Um, and, and I, I, I don't want to, um, shut the person down from really looking at and examining how they were wounded because that definitely in, in the natural healing process is going to be very, very important. And then in the forgiveness process is very important as well, because you can specifically forgive the offender, the person who hurt you for each of those individual things that they've done. And that really allows for the, the fullest experience of forgiveness and the, the fullest experience of being letting go and the fullest experience of, of that freedom. Yeah, Dr. Locke, thank you so much for that to distinguish um, between clinically and, and just generally. I think that's a great context. And, and I want to go back to, to the, more of that kind of that religious um, generic cracker jack box spiritualization that we tend to, to experience. Like you said, just, just forgive, just pray about it. You know, um, you should forgive them. Yeah, Robert, you know, I, um, I, I have to admit you know, I've done that before. I've said that. I've said, oh, you just got to forgive them. Um, because I, I think it's, it's, um, it's just so common. It can be like a, it, it can be like a reflexive action or something we say, and it can be something that we say maybe unconsciously to kind of shut them down. Like, oh, I'm not sure I want to hear all these details. Maybe we can just forgive and then everything will go away and we'll all be happy and fine. But that, that's where we, we, as clinicians, we, we've got to do our own work and keep, keep that in check and also realize that we sometimes make mistakes. Okay, so I just have to say a lot of you telling that story about driving the truck through the house just felt so much like you teaching me specific techniques when I was... <laughs> Oh man, that's so good. <laughs> so colorful. Trying to keep things, you know, lively. Oh man, but it's so true, right? Um, so, you know, one of the things that we've been wondering too, Dr. Locke, especially us as new clinicians and, and a lot of our listeners still students, you know, a lot of this is we're learning things in the book, you know, the ivory tower kind of effect. But then when we're, when we're thrown in the front lines, we're thrown in the trenches, um, 
things can look very different very quickly. So, you know, what are the challenges you've noticed that often arise clinically when it comes to helping clients arrive at this forgiveness? Um, and also in the book, you talk about something which I mentioned before, which really just rocked me and has rocked some other people that I've talked to um, who've read the book too. Just this idea of forgiving oneself. Mm, yeah. 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 That's actually where I was going to start. Um, Cause it's interesting. It, what's what I've found fascinating is um, well, you know, I would like to be able to say that first you forgive yourself and then you forgive other people or first you forgive other people and then forgive yourself. I'd like it to be a nice little contained, I don't know, um, like math problem, but it's just, that's not the way the human heart works. Right. So, um, for, so for some people I've seen that forgiving themselves is kind of like the starting point, um, where they're able to forgive another. And then for other people, it's forgiving others and, and then moving towards forgiving themselves. And then yet another group of folks that go back and forth, but this forgiving ourselves can be a real stumbling block because, um, because, Hey, I mean, I mean, if you ask me, I'd say I'm a pretty good dude and I, you know, I don't hurt people. And, um, I certainly really don't want to hurt people. I mean, except the guy who cut me off the other day, but besides him or, um, the person who was mean to me at work besides her and, and, um, and the guy who didn't put all my groceries in the bag at the store. But I, so, I mean, for most people, I don't really want to hurt them. Um, so I'm a pretty good guy and, and all as well. Um, and it, it's, it's really interesting. The, um, there was a few years back, there was a, a colleague of mine wrote something about how the concept, he didn't really like the concept of forgiving oneself. So he's saying, you know, you don't need to forgive yourself. Um, but what he was referring to was something that was, uh, it was kind of, it's kind of an evolution because you guys probably know this field of forgiveness is really only about 30 years old in, 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 the, in the psychological world, in the counseling world. It's really, uh, uh, it's, it's a pretty young field. And, um, and they only really started doing research um, with, uh, you know, Ev Worthington and uh, Enright was actually the first person to, to publish uh, on forgiveness in, in the 80s. Um, and, and Ev Worthington did some amazing work in the 90s and, and got the Templeton Foundation involved and they provided some grants to be able to do some amazing things and really kind of um, the field really exploded. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's a very new field. And Initially, self-forgiveness was kind of like, like I, I forgive myself. I'm a good person. Everything's fine. Um, and, uh, and, and what it's kind of gone to is a much more, um, what I would say, real look at self-forgiveness, which is acknowledging what did I do wrong? Um, it's really kind of naming it. And again, kind of fighting against that sense that like, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not a bad person. I, I didn't hurt anybody to like, actually, actually, I, I, I did. Actually, when I um, went on that bike ride, when I told my wife I would rake the leaves, that was really 
not a virtuous thing. That was really not following my word. My yes was not yes. My no was not no. My bike was my bike and I had a nice little trip. Um, ouch, me? I did that? I mean, no, I mean, come on. Look at me, I'm a nice guy. And, and, and you know, we just, we just don't wanna, we don't wanna see those, those flaws in ourselves. It's, it's painful, it's really painful. Um, and so um, what we talk about now with self-forgiveness is really looking at that, looking at what we have done and kind of naming it. Um, and then really it's, it's following um, the, the I, I use the, the Enright steps in, in my book, um, which, you know, from, uh, it, it w- which seemed to really overlap a lot with, with Ev Worthington's work, they, they, they kind of slightly different perspectives and, and whatnot. And um, I love both of their works, but I've been using Enright's um, since, since I started and, and I just kind of, that's what I've been most comfortable with. Um, clinically and also he, he's done the work more with the clinical population. Um, and so applying those, those steps, the, the acknowledging, naming, the, the deciding, do I want to forgive myself? Because, because sometimes there's stuff we look at in our lives and we say, yeah, we kind of, we kind of want to beat ourselves up about it. And that's kind of our way of, of dealing with it rather than saying we want to forgive ourselves. Um, and so that's a wrestling point. Uh, but we can come to the point where we do want to forgive ourselves and then, and, and then stay with that and, and you know, make the act of forgiving ourselves and kind of live in that. So um, forgiving ourselves, I think, is, is, a, huge, is a huge block and, and something that, um, that is really helpful. You know, and, and this comes out clinically most uh, kind of most easily seen in um, in the uh, in in PTSD with with moral injury, you know the, this idea that folks um, do something that is against their moral code or their 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 beliefs um, in in a, in a way that's that's hurt them or their or others. Um, you know, kind of a classic example would be uh, someone who. Um, a soldier who not only you know, shot another soldier in war, which is, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what soldiers are supposed to do, but shot a civilian in war. Um, and, and realizing like, whoa, I, I did that. Um, and that was, that was really wrong. And that, and so you see guys, you know, very traumatized, by this. So there's all kinds of different personal injuries. It's really looking at anything we do against our, our belief system, our morals, that sort of thing. Um, Jeff, I'm afraid I got way off on your question, so I'm not sure. It's talking about forgiving ourselves. And- <laughs> that was great, Dr. Locke. And, and just to, to follow up on that, I mean, isn't, isn't it a shame that it's the barrier a lot of times to forgiving self? I mean, a lot of that is what we're talking about is that deep-rooted core shame um, which I know is very difficult to overcome to be able to forgive oneself because a lot of times it's re- stuff that we're not proud of. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, let's start, let's make that differentiation between guilt and shame. So guilt being, I did something wrong and shame being, I myself am wrong. 
So there's something about me that's flawed. And, and that's what, what gets triggered when we, when we look at um, stuff. When, when I look at myself taking my bike ride rather than uh, raking the leaves, like I told my wife I would, um, you know, that, that's what, what, what can become a real barrier is if I start beating my, my, myself up with that and saying, I am, you know, I, I am uh, 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 an, an anti-leaf raker or something. And, you know, I, if I kind of make up a, some sort of thing or if, I'm afraid this is a strange analogy that's gone bad. Um, but basically, let me go just come back to the idea of shame. Shame, when we, when we feel that there is something about us that's, that's wrong. It's not just that we did something wrong, but it's, it's something within us. And that's something we have to look at because sometimes we can, we can say, you know, I, we, we might come to realize, I might come to realize that I uh, am a sucker for little white lies and I'll do it all day long. And so that may, that may produce tremendous shame in me, which if that's true, if that's really what's going on, all right, then I, I have to work, work on that and work through that. And, um, and uh, come to a point of resolution with the fact that, hey, this is actually not how I want to act, but this is, this is a habit that I've, I've been doing, and this is a flaw in me. And that's okay that there's a flaw in me. That's, that's a, that's, we're all fallen creatures here. And, um, and so that, that's something I can work on now that I've, now that I've identified it. Uh, and so this, this sense of shame, the sense of, of there's something in me that's wrong, that can really be a block. Now it can also be a block when people, and this is where I was going with this anti-leaf thing, which I don't know, that was a bad just strike that from the record or erase that if you can. But, um, it, you know, sometimes we kind of can make up these things or, or we can, the, the shame is uh, a, a kind of looking at ourselves and beating ourselves up over something that really, when we look at it, it's really not a, car, a core part of who we are. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's something that we, we, we need to make the distinction with our own heart that, oh, this is, this is something, maybe something that I did wrong or something that I did that was bad behavior, but that's, that doesn't mean that I am bad. And so separating those two out is something that, that in clinically, we see this all the time that people say, uh, I did this bad thing, therefore I am bad, where they're not really bad. They just did a bad thing. And so being able to separate those out is, a, is, a, is an important, very important clinical thing. And that can be a huge barrier towards, towards forgiving myself, which can get in the way of forgiving others as well. Dr. Luck, I was concerned that just with the time that we had today, we wouldn't be able to address that self-forgiveness piece well. But um, I'm grateful that you were able to devote so much time into that piece. Um, it just seems something that's not discussed well enough or enough at all, but seemingly has a very significant clinical presentation, um, particularly with the moral injury and the guilt and the shame. And, huh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we were able to talk about it as well. We do talk about it more in the book and there's, there's some um, other examples and stuff. So 
sure. folks who are interested in that and, and that kind of is striking something, please check that out. Yeah. One, one point I wanted to circle back to, and don't worry, like if you get off track or you run off, because I have this tendency of asking three questions at once to all of our guests. <laughs> Yes, so here, here it comes. Get yeah. ready. No, 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 no. I, uh, I'm saying that I already did that. So I want to circle back <laughs> to the first question that always gets squashed because I asked too many questions at once. Um, kind of switching gears in your experience, Dr. Log, what's been the clinical side of things in helping clients achieve forgiveness for those that have hurt them? Um, particularly in line with this piece that you all hit home about the validation and letting go that it's not about letting go of justice, it's letting go of validation, but then, you know, what that looks like with all the psychological, emotional, cognitive impact of what it means to not forgive and the very difficult, fearful trial of learning to let go, letting go of the pain and what life looks like uh, once you've let go of that. Can you share just a bit about that from your experience? Well, we give an example. Can we give an example? It's great. Yeah, it's great. great. Yeah, please. Okay, so um, so this would be um, this would be a, a woman in her um, her mid to late thirties. She had I don't know, it was two, three, four little kids, something like that. Um, and her mom was coming over to help, and she was she was pissed. She was she was very angry. She was more than annoyed at her mother coming over to help. Now, come on. If you've got two or three or four kids and someone's coming over to help, that's a great thing. Thank you. More power to you. Come over more often. It's good. We could use the help. Um, She was so angry and she'd get so irritable and anything her mother would do. And so she came to me and said like, I just don't know what it is. Um, I don't know what it is. My mother walks in the house and I get really angry. So, I mean, anger is a very classic um, uh, kind of symptom, if you will, of unforgiveness, uh, you know, along with other types of irritability and, and, and all of the same patients. Um, so when she said this, I thought, hmm, what's going on here? Let's find out a little more about mom. Well, what happened with her was um, when she was growing up, mom and dad got a divorce. Mom uh, initiated the divorce, uh, and it turned out that dad was, there was, uh, was being unfaithful, although mom didn't know that at the time. Um, and this all happened when she was, I think, about five years old. So she grew up for most of her life kind of going back and forth between the two houses. Um, her, her dad remarried and um, her mom had a lot of boyfriends come through the house, but never actually remarried. Um, and so um, she, you know, kind of long story short, she never um, forgave her parents for divorcing and she had a lot of wounds from her mom having these guys live in the house at different times or go through the house at different times and kind of start these relationships with her um, that she thought would be 
you know, as a little kid, she thought this was like going to be a, a significant other. And then all of a sudden the guy's gone. Um, and that just happened multiple times. So she was left with a lot of, of unforgiveness um, for a lot of different, uh, uh, you know, parts of her growing up from the actual divorce itself uh, to the, the, the guys that mom dated and the disruption that that caused in their, in their life. Um, and then, you know, there were, there was all kinds of other stuff in, in there as well. So, um, so, so what we have to do, what we had to do was we had to look at um, her, you know, how did this affect her? Um, and these were, there were many memories that were really um, significant, really had a lot of pain and um, uh, emotion that were, were still kind of connected with those memories. Um, so we, we used um, uh, exposure therapy um, to explore and uh, work through some of these memories. And it was the sort of exposure therapy that's kind of often called flooding, um, where you just, you know, in the, the client closes their eyes and they kind of relive certain certain memories uh, in imagery and they, um, you know, kind of describe to you what they see, what they, uh, what they hear, um, the relationship, the other, what they're feeling, what they're feeling then, what they're feeling now. And um, folks are often able to really engage with those feelings and feel those feelings in, in a profound way if they're, if they're given the kind of space to do that. And that, that's, what, that's what we do when we use uh, exposure therapy. We kind of hold that space for them to engage their, their emotions and you know, cry, yell, uh, whatever it is. Um, there was fear mixed in there. There was, it was, she would be afraid. She would be afraid when she was going to visit her dad um, with this new wife that he had who was really mean to her. I mean, it was kind of classic, right? Um, but she would be afraid to go and spend time with dad. And then, you know, she would go there and then dad would disappear. And then she'd be left with this, you know, kind of mean stepmom. Um, and mom let this happen. Now, certainly mom did, actually mom didn't know this was happening uh, until much later. Um, but from a little child's perspective, she, she thought that, you know, kind of mom was allowing this to happen. So there was just, there's so much there. Um, and what we had to do is to work through these, these memories, work through the emotions that she had, um, for mom, um, to be able to kind of discharge a lot of that, uh, a lot of the different emotions, not just the anger, but the, the fear, um, that she felt the, the sadness, the loss, uh, and there was shame there as well. Um, so with, with that, with working through those memories that um, freed her up. Now she came in, she was a practicing Christian and she kind of said right from the get-go, I know I need to forgive, blah, blah, blah. But 
she, she didn't really know what that meant. And I said, you know, let's, that, that's good. I, I like to say, you know, when you're working with someone who's faithful like this, I like to say we're kind of under an umbrella of forgiveness, of the forgiveness process. Like, because most, you know, most Christians, most faithful folks will say, yeah, I know that forgiveness is the direction I want to go. Um, they may not know how to get there, or they may have a lot of feelings kind of uh, between here or there, but they kind of have the sense that that is where they'd like to go. And so at that point, I kind of say, we're under this umbrella of the forgiveness process and let's not kind of rush it. Let's, let's, we're kind of under the umbrella. And while we're here, we'll take the time to really kind of work through this, to get to a place of real forgiveness of a real being able to let go. So after working through these memories, she was able to turn back and was able to go through and, and look at and identify the different pieces of her childhood that she was holding resentment over that she had not forgiven her mom. And she was able to decide, you know, is this something that uh, I want to do? Um, and, and she was able to walk through each of those things and come to a place where she wanted to. And then she was able to make the act of forgiveness and, and re-engage her mom in her family, li living in that place of forgiveness. Um, and so this, this process, um, through the exposure therapy, and not, not the therapy itself, but really engaging the memories and allowing herself to feel the feelings that was a, a lot of the, the validation, the self-validation part, the, the recognizing that this, this really did happen. This, this really impacted me. Um, and that set her up in a place where she was able to, um, to decide that, that she could and she wanted to um, forgive uh, and, and let go of that. So that, that's... that's there's more to it than that because we didn't talk about dad, which that's a whole nother, that was a whole nother can of worms. Um, and she, which she didn't see coming that she had to forgive her father as well. Um, but, uh, but certainly that was anyway. So there's more we can talk about there, but that, that was uh, kind of a little bit of an example of walking through, walking through this. Does that make sense? Yeah, that was perfect. Cause I mean, even, <clears throat> even as students, we don't really get that kind of from start to finish, process to see what that looks like. So that was really helpful. Um, and it was oddly nostalgic, just listening to you talk about exposure therapy, of course. <laughs> Robert, it is Robert, my heart, that's for sure. Yeah. R Robert, this, you know, when we were talking about doing exposure therapy, like I, this, it's all from Dr. Locke, you know, people like raise their eyebrows and I said, Oh, I did exposure therapy and in internship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's really it's really great. It has it has kind of a bad rap amongst therapists, um, and for for one reason is because you have to be able to tolerate your own negative emotions that get generated. It's very mm. uncomfortable when someone's there weeping, and uh, you're saying, "Stay with that, mm -hmm. stay with that." You want to give them a hug, but mm -hmm. you want to do anything unethical. But but you want to, I mean, you you want to take the person out of the negative state, but actually with exposure, we want to just give them the space to. Uh, to kind of ride that through in mm. a healthy way. So yeah, it's, uh, it gets a bad rap, but, um, but when you do it and you, and you, you kind of do, I, I had the, the big blessing of being, uh, of being really taught um, 
really well by some people. So, so could, could learn how to do exposure therapy really well. And, um, and you see the benefits, you see the, how it helps people and how they're able to work through the emotions and kind of get to the other side. Um, that was certainly my experience while yeah. there with you. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting with this, with the, with the forgiveness process, because, you know, um, it's, it, it, it works, it works very well together. Um, you know, some people just follow when, when they use the kind of forgiveness and rights, forgiveness therapy and this sort of thing. Um, they just kind of stay with that and, and stay with the, uh, with the experience of labeling the different emotions and that sort of thing. And I'm sure that can be helpful for, for many folks, for the, the people I've worked with, with, um, pretty significant traumas. Um, it's been really, really helpful to, to be able to process the emotions as they're, as they're naming and, and recognizing where there's unforgiveness and where there's wounds in their, in their hearts. I mean, we could go a whole nother hour with that. I mean, I would love to hear about EMDR and forgiveness, for example, because Dr. Locke is a certified EMDR, EMDR therapist as well. Um, but before we close out, Dr. Locke, I did want to ask something that we didn't really prepare for, but I know you all talk about in the book, uh, just with your experience um, in the formation of priests and also um, focusing on the woundedness in the church when it comes to the child sex abuse scandals. Um, I'd love to hear just any insights that you have into that, the process of forgiveness with that very specific type of hurt, uh, the betrayal of, of trusted leaders uh, within the church, and which I think is something that's not foreign uh, to us at Liberty, given the, the scandal with the Fawel family uh, not too long ago, and, and just needing to cultivate forgiveness there. Um, so I'd love to just to hear any insights that you have on that as we finish out today. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, when you talk about in the church and you talk about, you know, in the university and talk about kind of in a, in a broader structure, it, it kind of, uh, makes it exponentially more complicated. Well, maybe that's an over-dramatization, but it just, it makes it definitely makes it more complicated because it's now not just about you and this other person, but it's about you and this other person, uh, what the other person represents or, or what they kind of put themselves out to represent. And then the kind of the whole infrastructure behind them with the, with the university, with the church, with the, uh, with the parish, with the community, um, and, and how that supported or, or how that failed to um, protect uh, in in a way that that we uh, we would expect that we would expect. So, w- with these situations, I think it's it's important to look at the the person who has um, who has caused the offense, the person who's who's caused the wound, um, and and look at what they did and um, and how that was hurtful to you. And, you know, it, it may be that, you know, you read in the paper about some, some priest who molested a little kid and, you know, maybe you don't know the little kid and you don't know the priest, but, um, but you, but you think about what, what is that, what does that touch in, in, in your heart, in your life? Um, you know, your, your own experience growing up, your own, um, 
experience with priests, which may not have had any abuse. But when you think of like, this guy was out there doing this, um, and, and you think about, like you said, the betrayal, um, it just can identify a lot of, of how this, this one person's act towards another just has these, this massive negative ripple effects um, on others. And so, so looking at, at what's been done and, and how that is offensive to you, and then, then looking at, you know, kind of looking a little broader at, um, okay, well, you know, I've worked with many cases of, of priests who have committed acts of misconduct or abuse in, in one way, shape or form. And so in, in working with, with the priest, we see behind him, we see, you know, kind of a structure of, of other people who were, he was reporting to, or, um, or, or even, uh, a step removed from that is, uh, is the, for example, someone who's in charge of where priests are sent to, to minister. Um, and then you, you get someone like a step farther, which is like a bishop maybe who oversees the whole process and who's supposed to um, know the priests and supposed to know what's going on. So for each of these different levels, we've really been hurt. Um, we, we've been hurt um, you know, if, someone who's, who's, who's been the victim of clergy abuse, they've been hurt, um, but also their family, also their, their parish, also um, the, the greater community. Um, and so we have to look at how who, the, the different hurt that's been caused and the different levels of people who have caused the hurt or who have allowed the hurt to happen in some, some way. Um, and so that's why I was saying it's ex exponentially more complicated because we have to, you know, look at those different things to identify the wounds, to walk through the forgiveness process. And that just kind of opens up uh, lots of different, uh, hurts, lots of different offenses that have taken place along the way. <clears throat> and it's, it's really, it can be a really overwhelming. Um, and so sometimes we have to do this in kind of bite-sized pieces, just kind of slowly, uh, peacefully kind of plotting through all this. Some, I really recommend with clients writing stuff down because um, th this can, again, can kind of encapsulate lots of different people in lots of different roles. And we want to, the, 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 we want to avoid it. And so a way to avoid it is to do this kind of blanket forgiveness. Oh, I forgive everybody for everything. Um, and that's, again, that's like kind of being under that umbrella. We kind of want to be in the place where we want to go in that direction, but throwing that blanket over doesn't actually um, offer that the real deeper healing and the, and the, the real, the more deeper forgiveness um, for the different things that have happened. So even though we want to avoid it, uh, kind of gently, slowly, peacefully, like I said, kind of writing it down. Sometimes that helps. Um, plotting through, looking at all the different pieces and being able to work through it from, from that perspective. Um, takes a lot of work and, you know, it raises a lot of different emotions. Um, but that's, that's where you're going to see healing with, with stuff like this. Certainly, you know, the church loves to just 
try to throw the blanket over it like oh that never happened move along move along um and and you know i know that happens in in other circles as well and in universities and um gosh we've seen it you know uh in the in the greater culture um but when we're looking we're looking for healing and we're really looking for um to 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 really and, and this is this is one when i talk about hating forgiveness this is this is, I'm going to say, I'll talk about something I hate here because it's, it's beautiful, but it's, it's difficult. It's when we want to, to love our enemies, to truly love our enemies and, and to, um, to love as Jesus loved, that's really a high calling. And it's, um, we really want to just kind of, you know, say, all right, I'm there, I'm loving. Um, but uh, in reality, we really got to do the hard work. To, to get to a place where we can truly um, love and, and extend that love to those who've hurt us, which is kind of the pinnacle of, of forgiveness uh, and forgiving in the Lord. Dr. Locke, thank you so much. <laughs> that was fantastic. So much good information there. And as we wrap up, I just want to share again the book and just read a little bit. You can find that on Amazon. We'll have a link in the show notes as well. But it's called Choosing Forgiveness, Unleash the Power of God's Grace. And just a little recap here, just reading it from the, from the book. Uh, to say that offering forgiveness is a, challenge, is a challenge is an understatement. Forgiveness is tough. Forgiveness is often messy. Forgiveness doesn't feel good to most of us. And when it comes to the biggest, deepest hurts in life, forgiveness can seem impossible. In choosing forgiveness, the authors are the guides leading us to the way towards forgiveness through the grace of God. The book will help you discover the pathway to healing, peace, and interior freedom, releasing you and those who have wronged you from the bondage of unforgiveness. I think that's something that we can all pick up and probably take a read. So, Doctor, thank you so much for being here with us. I greatly appreciate it. I'm going to work on my forgiveness of Jeff. Uh, he does deserve that. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to use your tools and, and work on that. So um, again, thank you. That was so good. Jeff, you're very, very lucky to have been mentored and supervised by a, a wonderful professional and, and a wonderful guy. So mm-hmm. Dr. Locke, thank you so much for being here. We greatly appreciate it. You guys are so kind. Thanks so much for having me. God bless you and and your good work here on the podcast. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you and God bless.